Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is episode 114. I'm Simon Sweetman and I'm your host and I had a chat with a guy called Roy Brown. He's a musician, he's based in Hawke's Bay. Um, He also runs the big Napier Live music venue, the Cabana. Uh, He's also, I found out a whole lot of stuff about him and his life and we talked about uh, about the Cabana. The 60th anniversary of this venue is coming up across this month and and next month, June, culminating in Dave Dobbin playing two shows there. They've got all sorts of other people, Darren Watson, Jordan Luck, a bunch of gigs, so there's a link, there'll be a link in the notes for that. Um, Roy also told me a lot about his personal story. Um, He's a a mental health advocate, he's done a lot of work, including some documentary films, um, and he's got really an amazing story that he shares um, about and around that and as I say he's he's been and continues to be a working musician he's recorded albums as a as a singer songwriter as a frontman for groups and he's worked and continues to work as a as a piano man playing in not just his own venue playing in other bars and so we talk about all of that and uh, he has this amazing I don't want to spoil it but he has this amazing story about meeting David Bowie so we managed to fit that in too uh, I've known Roy for a few years and I've, uh, you know, whenever I get back to Hawke's Bay I do like to try and get over to the Cabana because it's a wonderful venue. Um, so it was my great pleasure to talk to him and I, and I really hope you enjoy uh, hearing this. Um, thanks as always to Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat and Yeasty Boys. And remember I've got a, a press patron happening for this so if you want to support the podcast, I mean you're supporting it just by listening to it, but if you want to support the podcast and chuck in some coins you can follow the link to that as well. Uh, so this is me talking with Roy Brown. I, I was thinking driving over here, like, like a lot of people these days, like, I mean, you know, we've met a few times, but really I know you mostly online. Mm. That's how we sort of, that's how a lot of people end up just knowing each other yeah. these days. Yeah. So uh, before we get into talking about the venue, um, tell me a wee bit about um, where, where you grew up and where you were in your life when kind of music came into your life. Well, I was adopted to a couple in Parkawa here in Hooks Bay. Mm. Um, and I was always told I was adopted, and they weren't musical at all, but I had music raging through me, and, hmm. and I was brought up in an era where there was, I went to high school, for example, Hastings Boys High School, where rugby was compulsory in the third form, and there wasn't a musical instrument in the school. Yeah. But still, I was musical, and I, and I was in bands by the time I was 17, and, and all that sort of stuff, and playing professionally by the time I was 19. And I found out much later when I met my birth mother that um, she was a classical pianist, and my birth wow. father was... Musician in Hawke's Bay, so, so nature nurture sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, go back when you said you you always knew you were adopted. Like, how early do you? Well, Mum and Dad told us we were adopted as soon as we were old enough to get our heads around the fact that we could yeah. understand what adoption was. Yeah, which is what age? I, I I by the time I hit primary school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because okay. wow. I remember getting bullied by some one particular guy about it at primary mm, school. Mm. But um, and we knew that we had older brothers and sisters, and we were born in Hawke's Bay, and there's a chance that they were. Around, right? Yeah, yeah. And, so you, um, it's not yeah. a big place, you know. Like no, it's not a exactly, big place. So it's yeah. possible to. But it was sort of very. It was sort of private adoption. It wasn't like the adoptions now, which are open. Yeah. So it was yeah. still private. You know, yeah. there's no chance that we were going to officially meet our birth mother or anything. Mm-hmm. My brother and I were adopted together, so mm-hmm. that was really sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And so you, when you find out that, yeah, then the the. Um, that you've got the parents have got this, you know, your birth parents have got this musical. Mm. What, what, uh, beyond going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, what sort of were your thoughts around that? Well, it was just real closure, really, because, yeah. you know, I, I, I was always going to be a musician. It's the most important thing in the world to me. Mm. It's always been music. Mm. Always. There's no question about it. You know, I'm not saying I'm a great musician or anything, but I am one. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, you know how to do it. Yeah, I am, a song, it, and I am a songwriter. And I do play instruments. Not just I always think when, yeah, I always mm. think where, like if you can do something to a level really that you've been paid for it, mm. yep. then you know you you are it, right? Well, like, I've, well, I've always had a saying that you know it takes ten thousand hours to become good at, mm, at something, mm, and yeah. I've done my ten thousand hours on the piano, yeah. probably on the guitar, yeah. So I'm good, and certainly at, at singing. Yeah, and definitely yeah. At singing. So. From there on, it's just a matter of, of whether the, someone likes my piano mm, playing mm. over somebody else's piano playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? oh, I'm always very hesitant to say to anyone that, you know, I play the drums in any capacity or whatever, but 
you know, reality is, and I, I know how good, how good or not good I am at it. I know what my level is, but the reality is, I made a living yeah. doing it for yeah. a long enough time that I, I be should good. be able. Well, I should be able to hold my head up to say course, course. I can play the drums. And if I if I put the work in, I could get good at it. Of course, it's just not what my focus is. Of course. So yeah, yeah. So I know, you know. Yeah, you know, I loved. I loved. I loved thinking about those years when I was eighteen. 19 I was playing at Vols and Hastings yeah. and I was playing the piano and singing and I didn't know what I didn't know so I thought it was a triangle and, and I, I knew all this stuff down the base of the triangle mm. and one day I'd reach the top of the triangle and i know it all but once mm. I got a little bit better that triangle sort of reversed and now I'm in the middle of that triangle and yeah, I know yeah. what I don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah. and what I don't know is enormous yeah, when yeah. you're young you don't know what you don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. and you think hey and this you, is great suddenly you've got it covered but yeah, 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 yeah there's yeah. this whole spectrum so, yeah it's actually, actually when you become when you do become good and I'm, I am good you actually yeah. start to wake up and go there's a whole world I've out there got, I don't yeah, know yeah I've got a lot to get to a lot to get to <laughs> so um, when do you so you playing vitals doing playing in bands at school playing here playing here at mm. the cabana yeah. um, and playing what like all so, a particular style or well, all sorts I was always in, in bands I was always the front man yeah. and, and I always will be that's just the thing I do yeah. but like Tim Finn couldn't yeah. join couldn't really join Crowded House because he was the front man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that whole conflict. No one's ever been the front man in a band apart yeah, from me. Yeah. And um, and, and and bands that I had grown up it was always covers and originals, covers and originals. Yeah. And as I got better at songwriting, the more originals yeah, got. Yeah. Starts on. to take over. Yeah. yeah but yeah, my yeah. first gig here, for example, was eighty something supporting early eighties supporting the Mockers. Yeah. It's a true story, and Andrew's been told this several times. <laughs> we um we just learned. Electric Lash by the church, uh, the church off yeah. the Sounds album, yeah. which is 82, 83. Yeah. Electric Lash, and we opened with that, and Andrew was upstairs getting changed, and he heard it, he came racing down from upstairs, it was all joined in those days, mm. and he's in his dance robe or a towel, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And he's dancing and dancing, and of course, because Andrew Fagan's dancing, the whole pub yeah. started yeah. dancing. And um, it turned out the following week, he was a guest artist on Karen Hayes' um, Radio Pictures. Now I don't know what the relationship was in those days, but yeah, the yeah. guest artist each week was allowed to choose a video to be on, on the show. Mm. And of course, Radio Pitch is a huge thing. Mm. And all your mm. mates are around Radio Pitch is having a few beers. And, mm. and um, he goes, oh, Karen, I want, I, want to, I, want you to show, I want to play Electric Lash by the Church. Now, we were playing the Cabana in Napier last week and the support band, whose name I can't, what was his name? <laughs> I'm saying to come on! Name us! New Telly! <laughs> and he, he couldn't remember it. And, um, and, yeah, and that like, was your yeah, moment. That was my moment. He couldn't remember the name of the band. That was classic. <laughs> and the great thing about that story was I was able to tell Steve Kilby the very same yeah, story wow. when he yeah, came yeah, through here yeah. years later. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. So, you, yeah, so you start making a crust at it yep. And, yep. and doing all manner of jobs. Mm. And from and so you're doing the solo thing, like mm. sitting at a piano. And well, I've had more money in my life sitting behind a piano yeah. playing yeah, background music and restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than just about anything else. Yeah, now, yeah. And I never played, which is classic working yeah. musician stuff. I never play anything anyone knows because I only know. Right. Yeah, yeah. I only would seriously only know about five songs. <laughs> so you mean you just sort of sit and noodle? I just sit and noodle, and yeah, yeah. Um, unless I'm singing. Yeah, yeah. I had this piano gig in '85 in Auckland on a revolving piano stage in a bar called Spats, and it was like five nights a week for five hours a night, which is just look. Laborious. That's mm. terrible. Mm. That makes a, a complete job. There's yes. nothing enjoyable about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the first song's enjoyable. After that, yeah. it becomes a job. And the beer afterwards. Yeah. It's and just, everything in the middle was just like a day at the job, office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that, I was on a revolving stage. It went round. Hello, how are you going? <laughs> Five minutes later, how are you going? You're still here. And, and, and I couldn't factor in a microphone because in those days we didn't mm. have the wireless technology. Mm, mm. So I couldn't sing. Mm. So my repertoire of a hundred songs which I could sing and mm. play went to about five songs that I knew the melody of and me noodling away for the other four and a half hours mm-hmm. so that's when I became a good noodler mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll do this chord stretch I'll do a bit of blues yeah, yeah. You know. so in that sense yeah no, I was going to say that, that that's the the silver lining there is that it becomes paid practice yeah you know, well like it does that's, that's, that's the thing that's good about it well it's, you're inventing stuff and, and yeah. you're actually having to think and invent and you, you yeah, yeah, invent you this. take a few risks but, yeah, but yeah. also in the context of playing it's safe mm, enough for mm. it to not stick out but you start to challenge yourself yeah. and it's better that than not that there's anything uh, unreasonable about doing this but it's better that than going off and working 
a day job unrelated mm. and wishing you were performing. Yeah. But at least you're actually practicing your craft. And, and what it does, of course, yeah. it, it leaves all day to sit at home with a guitar and actually write some songs, which yeah, is where yeah, you want to yeah. go anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you want to end up. You want yeah, to end yeah. up a, a serious singer-songwriter, so it leaves you all day to be so, able to do that. So when do you bust out of Hawke's Bay and why? When I was 21, 22, I went to Auckland. Yeah. I had to get to Auckland to get to London because I had good friends and a girlfriend in London. Mm. So I went up to Auckland and did all those piano jobs to mm. make enough money to get over to London. And I was in London for a year and a half and came back to Auckland for most of the 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Front of the band called the Elation Foundation that got signed to CBS in 87. And um, they did videos and mm. that was sort of the highlight. Mm. And then, of course, the band broke up. And um, carried on, and there was some bands called, had a band up there called Orange Ruffy. It was um, almost signed to Deep Grooves before Mark Turner decided he was going to leave Auckland and go and live in London. And I was in jazz bands playing mm. all night and mm. every night, and, and eventually came back here when I was 30. Mm. And did the same thing here, played the piano at Masonic six nights a week, and had Beat Not Fish, that did quite well. We had the yeah. first yeah. original. City out of Hawke's Bay and played at Mountain Rock and all that sort of thing and then from there I went to Melbourne from 98 till 2003 mm. and ran a big music shop in Melbourne and, but the two albums mm. in Melbourne which mm. is really important mm. solo albums under, like, yeah under Roy Brown definitely the best album yeah. as far as um, recording quality I've ever done which is Golden Blue mm. which is, it's, it stands up recording wise regardless mm. if you like the music or not you cannot fault the, the recording yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's beautifully recorded and yeah and over a long period of time we could add whatever we wanted, you know, violin here for that mm, song or mm. an ud for there and we just, you know, really mm, looked after mm. it. Mm. So, you, uh, what, a musical instrument shop, did you say? Yeah, yeah, I, I ran yeah. a big musical instrument shop with yeah. six and a half staff yeah. in um, Ringwood. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you come back, what, come back to Hawke's Bay 2003, my, my then wife, we couldn't get pregnant, we'd drive here from Melbourne for three years and tried to have a baby and we couldn't. So we thought we'd come back and try to adopt here and I'd only just turned 40, it was about to turn 40 and she was 43 and we were told we are too old to adopt. Wow. Mm. So wow. that was another big sink for us, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then we tried to foster. The first child, that, uh, you know, the fostering thing was really arduous as well because there's a huge um, forms you have to go through and, 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 and enrolments and, and they've got the tick boxes thing, you know, have you got a, a mental illness and, and you know, I, I Really contemplating putting no there, mm. but I had to, you know, I decided to put yes. I'd, I'd want to write who hasn't, yeah, you know, yeah. That, you know, really, yeah. And then we're, I being, to, we're being honest, then I had to declose that I was bipolar, and it was, which was the term that was used in those days rather than yeah. manic depression, yeah. And then I they put me through the fire, and that, that you know, and then we waited and waited, and they sent us a child. And this child was a known finger pointer, this young girl from Dannyburg had pointed at males and four other families. Wow. Um, and, and got them in, in serious trouble. This, and they sent it to someone with a head. Yeah, who yeah, ticked the box. Tick the box to, you know, to so, say, so it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. hard enough for a, a, a normal male yeah. to get that finger pointed away yes, from them. Yes. If you've got a mental disorder and a kid points a finger at you, yeah. you're stuffed. And that's yeah. what they did to us. Wow. So we kicked that to the curb. Far out. Yeah. Far out. So and then we broke up. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, I mean, because you said my then wife, I, I was sort of thinking, well, I can see where this is going yeah, in terms of yeah. the toll that this yeah, all that took on the relationship, right? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. She's a great woman and we're still very good friends. And yeah, yeah. With all the family, but yeah. Yeah, far out. Yeah, that ripped us apart. Mm. And you have, you you go into this process with, I'm being naive here because, you know, I, mm. I, I don't have the experience, but you go into this process of, Adoption and then fostering with, with obviously your own experience, mm. you know. So you know, when I was adopted, it was all closed adoption. Now we're mm, told mm. now, when I was forty, that you you, you haven't got. It's, it's not that it was illegal for a forty and a forty-three year old to adopt. I happen to know the head of SIFS in Hawke's Bay, Les Kennedy, at that time. Mm. Um, I was the best man at his daughter's and, and one of my best mates' wedding, so I knew Les. Mm. And Les just looked me in the eye and said, "Mate, you, you, you haven't got a chance because now it's all at." open adoption, mm. you and Debbie would have to get a little um, resume portfolio to give your picture on the front right, the, with wow. the car and the yeah, dog and the house yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and what you do and where you've gone. <laughs> and the fact is you're going to be closer to these kids' parents' age. Mm. They're going to look at your age and go, oh, no way. Yeah, wow. Dad's only 42. I'm not yeah. going to, you know. Yeah. And he said, you're going to have your heartbroken time and time again because there are 
kids who want babies in their 20s and late 20s who can't because of medical conditions, mm. they're the kids that will get, they'll get picked. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Let's go back to this um, mention of bipolar. When did mm. you know about that? I was in London and I climbed the Royal Albert Hall at um, 2 o'clock in the morning and got put in that experimental song. How old were you? I was 25, 24, 25. You did what? You climbed it? Climbed the Royal Albert Hall after the Eck and the Bowman concert. Yeah. There's a movie about it. Well, it's not a movie about it, but it's a movie where I mentioned it called Mental Notes that I did. I think you're aware of that movie. Mm. Um, yeah, and that, that, that in those days, we were all diagnosed as psychotic or schizophrenia. Mm. In those days, they thought all mental illness came from psychosis. So in those days, we all got treated with the same medications, mm. antipsychotic medications like hanapluridol. And I was put in this mental institution in, in outside London with 2,000 other um, patients. Mm. And I couldn't walk backwards. My tongue was sticking out of my head. I couldn't contact anybody because I didn't have any phone numbers because I'd gone from a country where phone numbers were five digits to a country where phone, where phone numbers were, were nine digits. Mm. And I couldn't remember my phone number. And, um, and I had a girlfriend who lived in South London in Rutherham and all my best mates lived in North London. Gold is green, and I was going between the two, weeks here and weeks mm. there, and, and busking for a living. So everyone just assumed I was with the other crowd, and no yeah. one, no one worried about me until about six weeks later. One of the guys, Gold is green, Brendan, bumped into Simone, my girlfriend, at, in Camden Markets, and said, "How's Roy?" And, you know, said, I don't know. He's with you. Why? Yeah. So the, the hunt went down, and luckily one of the nurses in um, the bin had the intelligence to ring New Zealand House and say, look, we've got one of your boys here, you know, a little short guy with, mm. you know, olive skin, because just been skiing. Um, and he's definitely from New Zealand, and, and luckily Brian had the common sense to ring New Zealand House, so I was found and, and um, you know, released as a schizophrenic on all these anti-psychotic um, medications, mm. which I just threw down the sink. And it was from that point that my parents back here in New Zealand and the help of um, a lot of good friends over there, we thought, right, we'll try to deal with this. And I went into a, a, a private mental institution. I missed Kate Bush by two weeks and Spike Milligan by three weeks. It was a beautiful place. Mm. Completely the opposite of the place I just came from. It was mm. just rolling foothills. And mm. I decided to come home and deal with it here and then get better and maybe go back. And um, that's what I did. I came home. and went to the Hastings Psych Unit and diagnosed myself having read some serious books with mm. manic depression, mm. not schizophrenia and not mm. psychosis. Mm. And I started a sort of a lifelong relationship with lithium, which, you know, keeps me down, keeps me level. Keeps you, yeah, yeah, on, a, mm. on the level playing mm. field that you need to be on. Luckily I just go up, not down, so I've never really experienced deep depression, which is a, you know, a real blessing because I've been around people that have, mm. and that's you know, a shocking thing. It's far worse than being manic. How, uh, I mean, you're very open about talking about this to me now. Mm. Um, has that always been the case yep. for you? Has that yep. always been a part of the process yep. of... I mean, I've got movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I've got movies about it. I've got yeah. Lake Alice movie, I've got the Mental Notes movie with Jim Mar Marbrook and I did mm. produce, and I did all the music for it, and I'm in it. You know, I just don't think it's anything I should be ashamed about. I mean, why should I be ashamed? No, about no, no, no. You know, I'm just... and, and when I came back, you know, I, I went and saw these psychiatrists and psychotherapists and, and um, experts in the field. And my father, who was an orchardist, did far more good for me than any of those people one day mm. by giving me a tap on the shoulder and saying, son, they say there's a fine line between genius and sanity, and I, I know which one I think you are. And that's all he said to me, and he walked away. Mm. And that did more good for my recovery than any any other psychotherapy therapist or mm. psychologist could do. And it was an orchardist, mm, mm. You know, a guy that fought in the war. You know? Yeah, yeah. He did more good for me. So yeah. why, why should I feel ashamed about it? I mean, it's, if, if they took out my crazy bone, it might be attached to my creative bone. Yeah. And, and I, I might be, I'd be, an, what, I'd be an accountant or something. Yeah, yeah. All due respect to accountants. Sure. Yeah, but that's you know, not I mean, who you that's not who I am. are or no, are I need ever it. trying I need to, be. to be. I need yeah. to be the complete boy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and then why should I be embarrassed about it? I'd be embarrassed if, if I was saying to you now that when I was 25 in London, I, I raped a woman and I got chucked in prison mm -hmm. and no one could find me for two years. Mm. I'd be ashamed about that. You'd have to bring that to me. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, don't put that in the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why should I be no, ashamed yeah, yeah, yeah. about something I've got no control over? No, but it's, and you know, and I think, like, obviously the conversation around it feels so much more open these days in so many cases, but I guess what 
what, what I'm sort of just trying to get at here for, for people listening is, you know, it's great for you to say that um, about having no shame about it, but it, it seems to me that, yeah, that's always been part of your process of, mm. of, of first of all, understanding it and sort of self-diagnosing yep. and then, you know, and then yep. seeking help when and where needed. And also and I've got this, I've, I've got, I'm a millionaire and friends, I've got this amazing big crowd. My oldest friend and I go back to when we're three and I tell, we're friends, but it's not just a token friendship, this mm-hmm. is a real living, breathing friendship. Mm-hmm. And when we're 14 and 15, we created this crowd of friends around us. There's about 20 of us, males and females. We all sort of intermix and interdate and we've obviously all settled down now, but that crowd of friends still exists as a crowd of friends to this day. I've got other crowds of friends. I've got my museum mates and other mates. Mm. But this is an old crowd of friends I've had. And these guys were the ones that said that you don't need to be ashamed about this and that crowd of friends I'm the only musician I'm the only artist in that crowd of mm, friends right. the others are accountants and doctors and lawyers yeah. and I'm the artist and they just suspected this of me I mean that's, of course it's going to happen mm, yeah, mm. of course it's going to happen to Roy this is Roy <laughs> don't worry about it yeah, yeah. They, they are the ones that helped me get through yeah. do you know what I mean and, and, yeah. and, and, and in 2006 came back from Melbourne in 2003 and got a job as an advocate for the Lighthouse which is a mental health mm-hmm. NGO here in Hawke's Bay and I ended up running it and, and holding the first National Nutters Conference in 2006 here in Napier, you know, mm. and it was called the Nutters Conference. Mike King peeled that name off and, and created the Nutters Show mm. in Auckland, which I was obviously invited to speak at a lot of times, and Mike and I become friends, well, we're friends for a long time since that, but it's that whole awareness that, that and why should we be ashamed? Mm. You know, mm. we're not criminals, and we didn't do anything, you know, that we, we need to be ashamed about. You haven't done anything wrong, if anything something wrong has happened to you you know, is happening within you, wrong is the wrong yeah, word, yeah, but yeah, do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just a chemical imbalance. Yeah, exactly. What yeah, you yeah, do, I mean, yeah. I'm also really short, so that's something also that's wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 Which is also not your fault. Yeah, and I've got a very small penis, <laughs> and, and I'm just joking about that. But, you know, these things happen, you really have to deal with them in life, you know, yeah. you, you've got these, the cars are dealt to you and you just get on with it. Yeah. You can't change them. Yeah, yeah. And I always believe that, I mean, this is just what it is, you know. I'm really, really good at mass, yeah. which means I'm really good at music, or helps me be good at music. Yeah, yeah. And I'm shit at spelling. Yeah. So every time I do an email, I've got to go back and go, oh, is that right of it? There, 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 two, two, two. Oh, I've given up on all that. I've actually given up on even worried about if I use the right two, two, or two, or even there, there, and there, yeah. even though I do know the difference between T H E R E and T H E I R. But if I'm typing to someone, I get it wrong. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. They'll, they'll get through that, you know? Tell me about. Um because I did not know that full backstory around your adoption and then attempting to adopt. Tell me about being a father. Oh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, the most glorious thing. As you I th- know. Yeah. Well, mm. I was going to say, I think a lot of people know that and say that, mm. but now I know this extra part of your story. Mm. You know, everyone, everyone's story is worthy, mm. but I know, I know that you waited uh, mm. a little bit longer, 40, shall we say. Yeah, 46 when I had Walker, mm. which... which is, is amazing. His name's Wilco Tex Brown. He was, he was born less than five hours after Ian Morris suicide. who was Tex Pistol, so yeah. it's called Wilco Tex and Ian's honour. That's yeah. Ian up there. Yeah. Ian and I are black snapper. Yeah. He, um, the best thing that has happened to me, and um, the, the great thing about that is the distance between my age when I had Wilco, when Kate had Wilco, mm. and my age when Dad adopted me is exactly the same. Right, 40, right. 46 years, 46 years. And, yeah. and my father, I've always said to anybody that cares to listen, if I can be 95% as good a father to my son as my father was to me, then Walker's going to be just fine. Yeah, so yeah. It, 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 I think what's, what I've, I've always knew that my dad was a great dad, but I'll tell you what, what's great about having a great dad is that I think it just makes being a, a good father so much easier. It's, it's just a real natural thing. What would dad done? Mm-hmm. What would my dad done here? So yeah, who's your role yeah, model? Who's my your role obvious? So, so, so it makes me realise these poor bastards that have crap parents, mm-hmm. crap role models, mm. and the, the whole thing just carries on. Mm. Of course it does. You know, you yeah, get yeah. generational blooming issues yeah, with yeah, the families. Yeah. yeah. You know, of bad behaviour and just bullying and, and um, nastiness and you know. But anyway, it's 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 all good. And Moko's turning out to be a great boy and the love of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's that's quite. And so, in all of that. When does the cabana pop up in your life? So you played here. We've mentioned yeah, that you absolutely. played here. Yeah, yeah. You you were aware of, and I imagine mm. you came here and saw plenty of other yeah. shitloads things. Some but, of the but, gigs but also, of your lifetime. But it's also really important that people realise in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, and provincial places yeah. like Hawke's Bay and, and across New Zealand, 
that lots of bars had stages. Yeah, yeah. They were big bars, like yeah. the Only Cow, yeah, Derby yeah. Tomato, and they had restaurants and public bars, and they yeah. were big places, you know? Yeah, yeah. And bands had, bands were clocking in on Monday mm. and playing till Wednesday, and another band would play Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I'd played at the Mayfair, DB Heratonga, I played all around Hawke's Bay and bands. Mm, mm. The Cabana was really just another bar. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the bar, mm. it was another bar, but yeah, yeah. in saying that, the Cabana had all the history, the Cabana yeah, went yeah, back yeah. to the 60s, yeah. the others didn't. You know? yeah, yeah. So the Cabana had the mana, but the other bars were just as cool to play yeah, as yeah. well, sort of thing. So, because what was this place called originally? What, it didn't open as the Cabana, it was the yeah. Sh- yeah, 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 yeah. So, so this was attached to the, the that's main, right. in 58, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so you grew up knowing about this place. You came to it. You played at it. As I say, you would have probably seen some of absolutely your early favourite gigs yeah, were here, yeah, yeah. along with at some other venues. Yeah. You move away. You you have a music career. You, yeah. you still have a music career. You're yeah. a professional working musician. Um, and you have all these other experiences. The Cabana. When does the Cabana sort of? What happens to it? It shuts. Well, it shut. It shut in '98. Yeah. Um, and a guy, a guy called Ian Hunt had it, and yeah. um, I was actually at the last gig. The last gig was here. It was the Mutton Birds, and and Richie Jackman's band Power. It wasn't called Power then. It was called Woody Allen's Daughter. I was mm. playing keyboards for a couple of songs, mm. and that was the last gig. And then it shut down. And, and I went to Melbourne that year, and um, and it became the state of it for a year, which That's is Dave right. Hannay's thing. And then it became Firecats. Which is a strip club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it became um, an art gallery when Jackie Sholly moved in next door and, you know, yeah, spent, yeah. apparently she spent 100,000 bucks on it, but. Might have got ripped off. <laughs> I, um, I can't see it myself, but anyway. Yeah. And, and, and it, it didn't go, I mean, art galleries in Hawkesbury are a bit of a risk unless they're little boutique. Yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. Or to North, attach I mean, to a, really? a, an existing vineyard or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a bit cool. <laughs> But that was that's what happened, and, and then ten years ago, um, a consortium of guys, including Richard Jackman, Ian Morris, yeah, um, Ian Bates, um, Phil Taylor, um, Ross Gannam, got together and thought, right, we're going to get this up and running again. They took it on and got it up and running again. There was a book written about it. Yep, Lee Pritchard. Lee Pritchard. Lee Pritchard wrote this book about celebrating the Cabana, Three which decades. is which is a great book. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that book. And so that um, that's sort of part of the that's kind of part of the rebirth story in a way too, isn't it? That's a precursor that, yeah, to that, it. Yeah, that happened, yeah. and that's yeah. sort of got everyone thinking maybe yeah. we can do this again. Now maybe I, we can build it back up. I wasn't part of that because I was yeah. heavily involved in, in, in the lighthouse and yeah. in my yeah, mental yeah. health career. Yeah. Um, but the boys got it going, and they, but they ran it as a sort of consortium. They got a lot of goodwill from um, the public on board for materials, etc. So yeah, so there was this group of people, and then yeah, so how do you get pulled into that, or how do you yeah? Well, they ran it as a consortium, and, yeah. and, and anything. So they got it up and actually yeah. happening again. But they weren't making much money because it's it yeah. very hard to um, run things by committee. Yeah, and it's yeah. a classic example yeah, yeah. of running things by committee. Yeah, these guys would meet here every Monday night and make decisions, and an example of, of how things when you run things by committee, like three of them wanted to buy a PA mm-hmm. and pay it off. Mm. And the other three went, no, no, let's just keep renting one. So when I did take it over eight years ago, they were renting a PA and it was costing me more a yeah. month than my rent was. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I was writing a check for the rent and I was writing a check for the PA thinking, this, this has got to yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm buying a PA, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't care if I have to borrow more money, I'm actually <laughs> yeah. going to own the thing, you know? Yeah. So things like that didn't happen. And they, they, they had really... Um, there was a very officious um, policeman and duty, liquor licensee duty officer around at that time. Mm. These guys were absolute pricks. <laughs> and because you're good at maths, so you know that this is a bad thing that's that, going you know, on. They had a few, they had, they had a few um, um, problems, like they got done for serving underage, mm. and so their licence got cut back till midnight, mm. um, and they had na- huge problems with neighbours complaining. Mm. Yeah. So I took this all on board, and so the first year that I ran the place, I was shut in at midnight. Um, I had to not get a single noise complaint for an entire year to then be able to apply for a later license. Yeah. So what was happening at quarter to 12, all my customers were walking out, going down the road, and mm, I was mm. losing just so much money. Mm. So it was a really stressful year, mm. that first year for me. I was my first ever business, mm. and I was having my first ever child. So it was a pretty stressful year. Yeah, yeah, baptisms yeah. by fire. <laughs> yeah, but I got got through it and everything's gone peachy groovy since, you know. And I've, I've, I think in the in the eight years I've had it, I've had one 
official noise complaint. Right, right. Because I got inside of my neighbour straight away. Yeah, yeah, by, yeah. Important by, thing to do. Yeah, by giving them a, a, a letter with my picture on the front so they could yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. It was an old black snapper poster. Yeah, so yeah. It had me, you know, me singing on the back saying, yeah. this is me, Roy Brown, da-da-da-da, I now own the cabana. I want to be work with you, not against you. So yeah. if you have any problems with the noise, please phone me first on yeah. this number mm. and give me the opportunity to appease you. Mm. And it's mostly been one guy, and he's done that to his credit. Mm. He's rung me and said, so in that first year, man, I was so officious. Man, I was just like, <laughs> there, was a, there was a band playing one night that was so loud, the support band was so, it was a Saturday night. Mm. There was nobody in here, there'd be 10 people. Mm. So I was gonna lose money anyway, and mm. it was so loud. So I went to the main band, I won't name them. I went, are you guys as loud as these guys? Mm. And they laughed at me and went, oh, we're much louder. Mm. And I went, okay. Came back to the bar, got a half a dozen Heinies, went back, put it on the table, said, well, you're not playing. Mm, mm. It's just not in my interest. There's six people in my bar, I'm not making any money, and you just told me you're going to be louder than these guys. It's just going to cost me. Mm. That's how officious I had to be to, to, to get through that mm. year without yeah, any yeah. noise complaints to get my license. Yeah, yeah. Extended, you know? Yeah, yeah. You can't run a business like this where you have to close at midnight. No, no. And so you've, you know, you've done this great thing over the last few years with this place where you've first of all you survived yeah, <laughs> which well, that's is, the main thing, is the main thing yeah. but there is that kind of you know you are doing you know it's such a a great sized venue and a great sort of set of options here that you still do such a big range of gigs yeah. or maybe maybe a bigger range than there's ever been I don't know well I think, no, you, ha- possibly, I, I, I think you have so. to I think yeah. you have to I mean yeah. Yeah, this is not New York if you had a bar yeah, yeah. in New York you yeah. could be a, a metal bar only or, or jazz bar or jazz whatever bar only, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a pop bar only here yeah, you've got to yeah. be everything yeah. I mean you, 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 you know, I've had cancellations from bands on a Friday night mm. who've given me you know two weeks or a week away mm. we can't play next Friday mm. so you left scrambling so you get a karaoke mm. guy going here you have mm. party karaoke party anything to get 20 or 30 customers and they put yep. four or 500 bucks across the bar house. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you've got to have, you've got to be prepared to do it. But you do the comedy gigs still, yep. you do like mm. smaller unplugged sets, you've got, you basically, you've got a second yeah. stage, you can do stuff on the floor. Halfway yeah. down, yeah, you can, across the yeah, 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 yeah. So mm. you can do, and you've had, yeah, DJ sets and, mm. you know, covers bands and tribute acts mm. and all sorts of things. And then, International acts, you know, not mm. just not just locals and touring nationals, but you've had some pretty big, oh, huge, you know, big international big names, country. Yeah, yeah, come through here. Um, so, and and it has, you know, it's one of those great venues that you know there is the sense of history in this place mm. as you come in and you know I, I played here once and fortunately you weren't here, so you can't say that I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't good. I know you were away. Um, and and I had a real, you know, I don't play music very much anymore. So, yeah. But but this was like a, I hate the term bucket list, but it was yeah. a bit like that for me. Yeah. It was really neat to play yeah. on the stage because and, of, and, and it is, you know, like, you know, growing, like I said before, growing up in Hawke's Bay, yeah. there were a lot of venues, but this was the yeah. this was the one you had to play. Well, even in my era, you know, like when I remember coming here shortly before it closed and mm. seeing, you know, Mutton Birds and Breast Secreting Cake and yeah, a few a few bands like that that were kind of staples of the yeah. ni- late ni- mid to late 90s in New Zealand and, and it was great yeah 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 and uh, obviously uh, this is a sort of spiritual home to Jacob yep yep given yep. that they're locals you know this yep. is this is really a big part of their spiritual home well, isn't well, it you know like I said before if you go the urinal it's a very long urinal here yeah. at Cabana, and above it there's a montage of some of the great acts that have played here and and in those days, bands like My Sex and, uh, yeah, and yeah, Split yeah. Ends yeah. And, and these bands yeah. were all playing here. Hammond Gamble. Oh, absolutely. Hammond Ham, yeah. played here six yep. months ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, and, and in those days, there was no... Uh, my biggest competition, anyone that runs a bar, their biggest competition isn't other bars now. Mm-hmm. It's the couch, Netflix, yes. the internet, YouTube, yep. Yep. cheap piss from the supermarkets. Yep. That's our competition. Yep. Back in the 70s, Bars had the ability to buy alcohol at a far cheaper rate mm-hmm. than you could buy it because mm-hmm. you could go straight to the breweries and get yeah. it. Nowadays, that's all gone. Yeah, yeah. I have got no ability to buy my beer at any cheaper rate than you could buy your beer. Yeah, yeah. Now, I can't do a deal with supermarkets. I'm not yeah, interested yeah. in doing deals with me. Yeah. I could do deals with little um, boutique breweries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe for getting another 15, 20%. Yeah. But the margins are far different these days. That's yeah. why, you know, in our days, it, was, it didn't really make that much difference. If you, you, you could have a, six beers at home would maybe cost you eight bucks, or well, six beers at a pub would cost you twelve bucks, yeah, or fifteen bucks. It wasn't exorbitantly more. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah. But these days it is. Yeah. Um, so you run this joint and you manage to still play. You sometimes yep. play here, but you more often play and you know anywhere else but here, right? Like yeah, you well, know, I'm, you, I'm playing the common room. Yeah, 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 yeah. As part of a, a Bowie, Bowie, Bowie tribute yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I play the piano every normally every Friday night at another yeah. bar in Ahuriri. Yeah. Um, but I do play here a lot. Like my yeah. band Bus Crash is playing yeah. twice over the, the two months for the yeah. um, celebrations. Yeah, yeah. Sixty yeah. celebrations. Well, let's talk. Let's talk directly about that. Um, so the bar first opened in '58. Yep. So you have a 60th. So when is the official sort of 60th anniversary? It's it's sort of in the next couple of yeah, months. Across sort of the next there. couple of yep, months, yep, right? Yep. You're not 100 percent sure of yep. a concrete date, or no. you've, and you've got a bunch of things. And then and there, there there wasn't music like there is now back mm. in '58, but there was mm. bands playing here every, mm. every Friday and Saturday night mm. in the corner somewhere, and they're on the ground, and, yeah, and uh, yeah. it's more of a public bar sort yeah. of situation. Yeah, yeah. But and slowly, by the time I think. Lee Pritchard knows this for sure. Yeah. 61, 62 comes along. That yeah. was stage and the Ernie Rouse band yeah. was the regular band. You know, yeah. Sort of playing jazz. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I think I'm I'm pretty much 100% sure my, my dad used to play here because he, yeah, yeah. he's no musician now yeah. at all, um, but he was, a, he was in a couple of regular working bands in the very late 60s, early yeah. 70s in Hawke's Bay, and um, I know he, mm. he would have played here. A lot of people get mixed up... Um, with this place and the Cabaret Cabana, which yeah, is on yeah, yeah. Marine Parade. No, he did, I know he played there, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he also did play here. And, uh, you know, so I played here with uh, filling in for the spines, mm. and uh, the, the toilet you mentioned, all the kind of stuff that's mm. up on the walls, I can't remember who, who it was that night, but someone spotted an actual mention of the spines when they were here in like 81 or something and you know so John I know that was really big news to John who's been on the podcast a couple of times but you know he he remembered being here but yeah yeah, it was so it was 35 years between visits for him well see see, this is this is 10 years after Lee wrote the book yeah he was due this year um, to to he's talking about doing some sort of update right yeah 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 yeah. but then then he fell in love (laughs) right because yeah, he did write to me and say yeah, that he, he's, you know he had it all love. planned he's to in do. Love. Oh well, that's a. And his brain's gone to mush. So if you ever needed an excuse yeah, to, to yeah. not be busy elsewhere, that's a wonderful one. Yeah, I think, no, it is. You know? The so world I'm, needs more of that. Yep. So he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's all, off the hook. He's off the hook. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and when he did the book, of course, I was living in Melbourne, and um, and what he asked for was people to feed into it. Yeah, yeah. And no one fed into it on my behalf, so I'm right. not actually in the book. In the book. Piss me off. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Which is why the updated version will suit you just fine. In the book anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, I played here heaps in, yeah. in, in two bands, New Delhi and Just Walter, but yeah. but there was no one around to feed into it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, um, so yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the book being updated, mm. and, um, and we've got something to really, even if it's next year, look at the 60th anniversary, which um, it's, it's going to be two great months of, of music. Mm. Culminated in Dave Dobbin now playing two nights. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So because uh, I imagine the um, the yeah. The first one would sell out pretty well. Or 22 would, hours. Yeah, yeah, it would sell out pretty quick. So that's yeah. cool to know that he's doing two nights. Yeah, yeah. which is a real honour because, you know, yeah. we, we well, I know what Dave, um, you know, all through his beautiful manager, Lorraine, charges for, for <laughs> you know, if you rang, rang up Lorraine and said, you know, we've, I'm doing an outside festival and we want Dave Dobbin, yeah. I know what the figure is. Yes. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot more than um, he can take out of here. So yeah, it's a yeah. real honour. It's a really, really... <laughs> We are saying nice things about you. Very nice things. We we are. You're welcome to come over and join in and defend yourself, but you don't need to. And and what we're sort of saying, and what I'm about to say is, is uh, we all know Dave Dobbin's a class act, Mm. and 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 people are going to have a fantastic evening seeing him perform. But he's really about the only person in New Zealand that has the um, the mana and the gravitas and the sort of worth for everyone to go and see that will also do gigs in, you know, not just in a giant big theatre. He'll mm. go and play a pub venue, which yeah. this is. Yeah. You know, it's, a great, it's a great size pub venue, but he it's will... Still a pub venue, yeah. Yeah, it's still a pub venue, and he will front up and mm. now give two really good nights here. Yeah, that's amazing. And I don't think there's anyone else of his level that will do that. No. Yeah. Well, he's definitely, you know, raw to... You know, Jordan Luck's coming two weeks yeah, before Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And um, Joe Walsh, who, who runs the Jordan Luck band... Yeah. Um, emailed me today going, woohoo, 162 tickets sold so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, George has been here four or five times in, in, yeah. um, in the last 
since I've had it, and he's never sold it out. I think he's got many more than, much more than 120, 140 people. Well, they um, play all the time, those yeah, guys too, yeah, you know. Uh, like, again, they do a good show, but they're, yeah. yeah. But this time, for some reason, I don't know if it's culminating in the yeah, 60th yeah, thing, yeah. to have sold 162 tickets two months out, yeah. Yeah. it's going to be another big night. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I've totally. I've got tomorrow's parties coming through, I've got Lady Six coming through, Yeah, Darren Watson. Yeah. Um, and then just some really good local entertainment as well. So. Yeah, 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 cool. Um, it's all on my website, cabana.net.nz. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, we'll put a link to that. Um, now, you... I'm sure there's a couple of other things we can talk about, but correct me if I'm wrong, you've got a pretty cool David Bowie story. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. we have that? Yep. Um, well, I was living in Auckland, and um, I had a flatmate who who was a bar manager at Clichy's Restaurant downtown Auckland, and this is before mobile phones and everything. I was home one night, and I was about to shoot out um, to meet some friends, and this, we lived in Mount Street, right in the city, mm. and the phone goes, and... Should I, should I? Oh, yeah. So I went back and answered it. And it was him, um, Tony, saying, You're never going to believe who I've got sitting in my bar. I went, oh, look, I don't care, man. Who? What, what? David Bowie. I went, No, I've got David Bowie here. And I could tell by it. And I knew that Bowie was in town. Yeah, I yeah. knew he was somewhere in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't completely. Yeah. So I, t- I thought, oh, It wasn't, God, I've got it wasn't a- April Fool's. Yeah, yeah I've got yeah, to yeah. try this. I mean, I can't go, yeah, Oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I got changed about three times. <laughs> I mean, Nervous. What are you, what are you with? <laughs> and you're going to meet the king. Your hero, your yeah, hero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute hero, and he was, yeah. and he is my absolute hero. Anyway, so I remember going through the restaurant of Clichy's up the staircase, and turning right and walking up towards the bar, and there was Richard, not Tony, Richard Parker, mm. cleaning glasses and looking at me as I walked up. And he went, <laughs> I poked my head around the corner, and there was Bowie sitting at the end of the bar by himself. Wow. So there was a beer waiting for me, and, and I thought, oh, I've got to do this. There's only about two other people in the whole bar upstairs. Yeah. So I walked straight up to the bar and said, Hello, Mr. Bowie, my name's Roy Brown. I was wondering what you were thinking when you wrote, My brother lays upon the rock. He might be dead, he might be not. He might be you, he's chameleon, Corinthian caricature from Quickstand. And he looked at me and went, Oh, man, I can see you really do listen to me. Sit down, Mr. Brown, I'll tell you all about it. So I sit wow. down with my beer. <laughs> Richard got him another whatever he was yeah, drinking yeah, and off yeah. we went. And um, the great thing about that is for every question that I had for him, he would be asking me questions. He, he had he one re- back, yeah. He refused to make an interview. There's no yes. way I was yeah, going to sit yeah, there yeah, yeah. and be and interview He was going to give Bo. you the gold, but it was going to be in the yeah, context yeah, of a conversation. He wanted to learn something He wanted to learn about Parkway. He wanted to learn about my musical experience. Yep, yep. He wanted to learn about where, you know, my, this, I ended up telling him about my mother being a classical pianist, classical yeah. pianist. I, I, he wouldn't let it be just about me at all. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, no, yeah, about him. Yeah. I wanted it to just be about him. I had a hundred yeah. questions I want to ask him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No fucking way he's going to allow that. Yeah. You know? And then he told me about William Burroughs and the importance of the cut-up method and yeah. how he used it to create life on Mars. You know, that yeah, old yeah. structure of life on Mars came from this friendship with William Burroughs and, and yeah. the cut-up method. And he just told me about things that were just... Oh, it was just a, well, it was a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a beautiful, beautiful yeah, exchange. Yeah, wow, you know? wow. Two yeah, hours. Yeah, I mean... And I was a heavy smoker. Yeah. I, I mean, I was a, you know, 20, 25, 30. He was like doubling, tripling me. Yeah, yeah. It was powering for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Christ, he gave that up. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got to 69. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he gave up smoking in about 98, two, 2000. Mm, mm, mm. And then he gave up alcohol when his daughter Alexis was born, mm. which is 2000. Mm. So he, he'd been living a clean life up until his death. Well, he's, you know, and that's the same with Lou Reed, who was mm. clean for a long, long time, mm. but I think they've done so Lost much damage, <laughs> damage yeah. early on that it, it, one way or another, the yeah. effects of it kind of got them in the end, but well, they still got uh, to a, yeah, a reasonable age. Well, a reasonable well, well, age. Bowie was, um, you know, before the Berlin years, I mean, yes. in LA, that's where he did all his damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when Lou Reed died, I was, died, I was, um, I was actually listening to him put on a, 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 one of his finals, and, mm. and I hadn't heard anything, and my wife comes in and listened to the radio and went, Lou Reed's dead, and um, and I just burst into tears. Mm. And and she said to me, "God, you're going to be a mess when David Bowie dies." And I was. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask. Mess. So what? You know, what happened there was, you know, I I I, I got Lazarus. Yeah. And, and 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 saw it on YouTube and went, "Wow, wow." Just thought this was powerful, but I didn't think anything of it. There was yeah. no, no one was saying. No one knew that he was sick. Mm. And Black Star, I could order. I, mm. I ordered Black Star on vinyl from America. Wow. And then we went off to Mahia for our normal summer holidays and 
we went up on a Sunday. The Monday, we're down at the beach playing cricket, and this little dog befriended us. Mm. And the kids said, can we keep it? I went, no. Can we, what can we call it? I said, let's call it Bowie. So we played with this little dog, Bowie, for two mm. hours. Mm. Then that night, we went to the bar for, for a meal and uh, at the Mahia bar, and I walked up to get some drinks, and the woman behind the bar said, geez, I know your face. You used to sing at Vols, you used to sing all these David Bowie songs. <laughs> so here I am again talking about yeah. David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's twice in one day. Yeah. It's talking to this lovely Murray woman. And then that night we're playing Monopoly, Bull goes to sleep in bed, um, Kate gets knocked out, she goes to the room, checks her emails or checks her texts, comes back and I'm playing Monopoly with my stepdaughter and there's a, she's a tap on my shoulder, I look up into Kate's eyes and I can tell straight away that some major shit has just gone down. Yeah. And she said David Bowie's dead. Yeah. I couldn't get out of bed for a day and a half. Yeah. I couldn't get out of bed, man, and the phone was just going ballistic, you know, because people just knew how much he meant to me. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that day, Kate had um, an appointment back in Hawke's Bay with a neurologist for some sort of yeah. test or something, so she was always going to come back yeah. and stay the night and drive back the following day. So I was at home, I was in, at the batch with the kids, and I just stayed in bed, and Tabitha came and sort of fed me, and, and I just couldn't get out of bed. I eventually got out of bed at six o'clock, walked out and sung Sorrow all around the block of where we were living at Mahia and took the kids to the pub. Mm. And, but it took me uh, it took me months to get out of that phone. I couldn't listen to Bowie for fucking months. I just couldn't yeah. listen to him. Yeah, it's yeah. like I was pissed off at you. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I'm not going to listen to you. You yeah. broke my heart. Yeah. I, I can't listen to you. Honestly, it would take me... If I was, if I was in the supermarket, listen to him, you know, I'd say, no, there's Bowie. No, yeah. off. No, yeah. gonna, no. Yeah. I can listen to Lou Reed, but I'm not going to listen to Bowie. Yet. Yeah, yeah. You know? And luckily... Well, when I say luckily, in October we put together a Bowie band for here. Yeah. We, of course, had no idea that he was dying or even, you know. But we did this, we thought we'd put together a Bowie tribute band. Yeah. So all we had to do was just roll that over. Yeah, no yeah. No rehearsals needed. Yeah. We just we just done it. Yeah. And it was just huge. And then we yeah. did it again next year and we've done it again twice this year. Yeah. You know? And, you know, the funny thing is, like, we, we, we played it um, this year and, and um, I realised as I'm singing all these Bowie songs that on stage, I'm actually the happiest I can ever be singing Bowie songs. I'd love to say I'm happier Simon when I'm singing Roy Brown songs. I mean, I should be. <laughs> or if anyone is them. singing Roy Brown yeah, songs yeah, for that matter. Right. But I'm actually happier singing Bowie <laughs> yeah, songs. Yeah. I, I was brought up singing them. Yeah, yeah. People are really enjoying them. Yeah. I could sing a Roy Brown song, but yeah. half the people in the audience wouldn't, more than half wouldn't know it. Yeah. So when you're singing a Bowie song, you're connecting with all these people and they're really enjoying it. And it's mm. a real... It's a real gift to be able to do it and do it some justice. There's a couple of quite good, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's several, but there's a couple of quite good David Bowie podcasts doing the round at the moment that I've finished listening to one and dipped into another. And, um, well, you know, I mean, you don't need me to tell you this, but, the, yeah, there's just there's so much depth there, but mm. there is so much joy in so much of that music, even as a listener. So yeah. I can imagine that as, a, as, as any sort of performer that's well, taken an influence from it. My mate was coming back from Warrington. Um, in the weekend and he rang me to tell me that I listened to Radio New Zealand and they had an interview with somebody about Bowie and, and, mm. and Visconti and, mm. and that year mm. and I went hunting for it mm. but I couldn't find it Mm-mm. so if you find that it's what's you know about that whole year leading up right. to right yeah 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 just yeah. that year um, did you see him perform and how many times or I saw him in in, um, in 78 yeah that was in um Stages. Yeah, yeah. Saw him in Let's Dance, yeah. 84. Yeah. And and I saw him for the reality tour. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. I got to that Wellington reality tour. Oh, was there. Where in the was, rain. In the rain, yeah, but yeah. Was it? Where oh, he, how good was that? Yeah, well, I, you know, I got called up by the radio to talk about that after mm. he, you know, died. They wanted a, 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 to, to revisit that concert, and it's like, that's one of those concerts you'd want to talk about anyway, mm. you know, even outside of that, like Most to periodically remember because yeah. the the effort that he kind of went mm. to and the um, and the fact that it was no real big deal to just put on a mm. raincoat and go out and and not just a little bit of light splash, yeah. you know. Yeah, and the amazing thing about that tour was um, everyone says, you know, Gal, yeah, yeah, concert his bass player and that yeah. was saying that that's the happiest I'd ever known him for that yeah. whole tour. Yeah, he was in a really happy space. He had yeah. Alexis, he's off the piss. Yeah. He had his great life in New York where he yeah. could walk around his block yeah. and not be noticed. He'd yeah, just yeah, taken yeah. Alexis to school. Yeah. They had the um, house out of Woods, up in Woodstock where he'd go and create yeah. on the weekends. And they said he was just such a happy place. And mm. the first time he really, really enjoyed a whole tour. And it was, you know, and he fucking mm. looked sensational. Yeah, yeah. For, for a start. I mean, what yeah. how old was God? Yeah. 
and he just looked a million bucks. And um, reality, what, what a great album! Yeah, I mean, and yeah, that was yeah. on the back of Heathen. Yeah, I loved Heathen. It's funny at the time I thought Heathen was a lot stronger than Reality, mm. but now I've switched. You know, mm. they're both good, mm. but actually I'd be more likely to listen to Reality than Heathen. And, and the album before that was yeah. amazing, Thursday's Child. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful song, but yeah, there it was, was a trifecta of really mm, good, strong albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then of course yeah. Black Star was. Well, well, the next day was. was yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. pretty good, um, but it certainly went out on an absolute oh. high note. You know, like a career high. Giddy up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, and the, I think the next day just missed. It was a rock and roll album without any keyboards. It was just a very straightforward rock and roll yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go bam, 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 you know. Yeah. And and uh, the Black Star was just. Well, but you know, he gave the world more than enough, right? Like you know, I know I know they'll trot out things over the next few years and. Um, there's sort of a plan in place and you know there was an EP that came out a year later and um, straight after the year after the death and they will continue to trot things out and they'll mostly be of a pretty high standard but even if nothing else were to come out you know well, sort of like Prince, at all yeah like exactly Prince, like, exactly talking about Prince writing it, two yeah. or three songs every day yeah every day yeah and the vaults are just jammed yeah. and stuff I mean yeah I, yeah I don't personally care if I never hear another Prince song in yeah. my life he gave yeah, me yeah, nothing yeah anyway. yeah 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 you know? exactly uh-huh. Yeah, uh, well, I had quite a different experience with the the um, David Bowie news because uh, you know I was still actively employed by Fairfax at that time, mm-hmm. so I got a phone call. <laughs> I got a phone call saying, "Hey, David Bowie's dead," um, and I was walking down the road to like return a DVD or something, mm-hmm. and I got a phone call saying, "David Bowie's dead." Um, so we need a few words from you as, as quick as can be, please. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Um, I'll probably be about 20 minutes before I get home." Yeah, that'd be great. Then just write. And it was very weird because I couldn't, you know, that's not really how you want to hear one of your heroes goes. But uh, you have to switch into that sort of vaguely professional mode and and deliver. So I had the the sort of thing you describe of not being able to get out of bed for a day and a half or so. I had a a slight version of that, but not until about two or three days later. You know, when it actually kind of sunk in that, oh, yeah, that's right, I've, I've... celebrated him like we went into the DJ set and yeah. stuff like that and, and yeah there were a few things that happened and then it was like oh he's actually and the same thing like don't so, actually yeah. want to hear any of his music for oh, quite a while oh well, you know I was, I, was, I was with my family on our, our, our yearly holiday and, and, and I was trying, believe me I, I tried my hardest not to you know let it mm. ruin our holiday I didn't mm. mention it I didn't talk about it I yeah. just, just tried to departmentalize yeah, it for yeah, yeah, yeah. but a year later I said to Said to Kate, well, shot the uh, another badge go back to my hand. She said, No, not after you ruined last year. <laughs> and we well, David Bowie's not gonna die again, is he? Well, there's no chance of that will happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. And then mm. yeah. <laughs> well uh, you know, I mean, without being too morbid, who else is there for you? You know, we talk about Lou Reed, Bowie, Prince, they're Bob all Dog. big. Yeah. Well, those those three were huge. Yeah. Prince Bowie and Lou well, Bowie's yeah. the top. Yeah. But when McCartney goes, it'll be really sad. Yes. I mean, yeah, yes. of course, he's got a huge effect on you know, the Beatles yeah. massive. Yeah. Bob Dylan had yeah. a massive effect on my life. Yeah. I remember, I remember when Bob Dylan rolled out to me, I was about 16 when I got into Bob Dylan. I mean, yeah. he'd been going for yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I first bought my first Bob Dylan album, I got stoned and listened yeah. to Bob Dylan. He was my stoner yeah. record. I, mean, I always yeah. get stoned with one mate to Bob Dylan. <laughs> That's what we did. We played yeah. backgammon, listened to Bob Dylan, and got stoned. Yeah. So every time I hear Bob Dylan, it just takes me back. Yeah. That's what music does. Yeah. So yeah. Bob Dylan's going to be huge. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I, th- I think you sort of plateau out after the. Yeah. After the, yeah, I think Dylan, the, I think, you know, Dylan and McCartney are the, yeah. are the you know, obviously, you know, for me, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell as yeah. well, and all of that, and there's lo- you know there's loads when you think about it. But really, I think universally, I'll be even sad. Well, of course, I'll be sad when Neil Diamond goes because he was a big influence on me yeah. for a period of time. Yeah, you know? of course. And then and yeah. and I've always thought, and I've always said this: people that use music to try to be cool mm. just miss the point of music. You mm-hmm. know, oh, I don't like that. It's not cool. Well, mm. fuck that. I love yeah. David Cassidy. Yeah. I, I cried when David Cassidy died because yeah. he was my first real pop idol that I got to really on TV that I got to see in real time. Yeah. And I loved him. I loved his voice. I loved the way he looked. And yeah. I don't care if anyone thinks, out yeah. there if I'm not cool, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. I don't use music to be cool, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, my father used to say to me, as soon as you think you're cool, you're not cool because you're thinking about being cool. Yeah, yeah, so I don't yeah. think about being cool. So it's not about being cool. And I really despise people that, that don't like that sort of music because it's not cool. And they only like that sort of music because they're not cool. 
well, they're missing out on all sorts of stuff, man. Yeah. You're missing out on Chopin, you're missing out on Mozart, you're missing out on Bob Dylan, you're missing out on Joni Mitchell, you're missing out on Barbara Streisand. Yeah. You're missing out on all this wonderful music. That, yeah, you know, it's a grab bag and you yeah, should just, and you should yeah, fill it, you know, fill your you own like. version of it. Yeah, no, yeah. It's whatever you like, it's not what you're told you should yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Especially because you're not cool if you don't, if, if you like that. Now, I'm glad you said that because apart from that being, you know, pardon the pun, sound advice, that, that, that seems to be a part of the ethos that spills over into how you run the cabana mm. is that you know everyone's everyone that's good enough is valid for a gig here it doesn't yeah, matter absolutely. it doesn't matter what style it is yeah. and the more different styles the better because then you only potentially increase your reach you and know? it doesn't matter whether i enjoy that yeah. that or not you know and every time a, a band will play here and, and and they'll have a great time and they'll give me a signed cd to take home uh, i'll may not ever play that CD, but I'll say, hey, thanks, guy, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming and yeah. come again, you know? Yeah. It's just, just, it's just yeah, it's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you might need to book the batch for after the 60th anniversary <laughs> celebrations by the sound, but after the, yes. uh, you know, a mid-winter, yeah. uh, a yeah. winter holiday, yeah. I think. Oh, gosh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Is there anything else we need to, because that's a good little chat about things, no, but is great. there anything else we need to... Well, just keep live music going, and I think it's important that people get off their butts and, and support live music, and mm. uh, especially local music. I mean, it's a few years ago, we had the Pink Floyd experience playing at... at um, the Opera House or the Municipal mm, um, mm, Theatre here, and mm. you know, people pay 80 bucks a ticket to, um, or 90 bucks a ticket to go and see these guys. Yeah. And I, on Facebook, I made a little comment that it'd be good if some of those people yeah. who would never come to the Cabana would pay five bucks to see a local band or ten bucks to see a local yeah. band. And man, what dropped out of that was just, it's, you know, oh, really quite nasty. Shit's still my bet. Yeah, well, you who can't... the hell are you to tell us what to do? You know, that sort of stuff. Oh, like, you know, I don't want to yeah. rag on the Pink Floyd experience because yeah. I've had. I've had beef with them I'm not, not bragging on no, them. No, 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 I know you're not. And that's, yeah. I, I, but you know, it is a, it's a funny bunch, isn't it? Because not, the first time I went and reviewed their show, I remember at half time, someone going up to the merch stand and going, have these guys got any albums? And it's like, um, <laughs> there are 14 of them in any music store. They're called, you know, they're under the name Pink Floyd. Why would you, why would you want to covers, you know, a tribute band? They, they, they do a very good job of doing Pink Floyd. Why would you want the tribute band's recorded CD? You know, just go and listen to your Pink Floyd albums. <laughs> so I think you're dealing with a special bunch there in terms of the audience. I had this girlfriend yeah. when I was very young, you know, 16, 17, and it was never going to work out. She had, um, was already had practicing the signature and she had a mm. wedding dress, you know, lined up and everything. And I was the one, and and, and, and there's no way that was going to happen. Mm. So anyway, years and years and years and years and years later, I bumped into her. Um, we're talking 30 years later, and she stayed and we had, sat down and had a coffee, and she stayed in Hawke's Bay all her life, um, which is fine. And she's uh, mm. she had a couple of daughters and separated, and and um, and, um, and I said she asked me what I did. And I said I've just bought the cabana. And she goes, you know, I've never been there. And I went, I felt like saying, that's exactly why I had to leave you. Because <laughs> <laughs> about two years after that, I was playing here. So I was like, that's why I had to leave you. She'd been here all her life and had never been to the cabana. You know, those sorts of people, I've always said to people, that anyone that cares to listen, that the people that scare me the most on the earth are Hawke's Bay men, in particular men, yeah. who have never left Hawke's Bay. It's like, oh, yeah. never travelled, never left yeah. It's like, what, you've never been to, yeah. been, no, I've just stayed here. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, they come very confined in their in their thinking. In that, I mean, there's a lot of I've got, I know of people that 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 go to the municipal theatre and see the Pink Floyd experience. Not that I've got anything against no, them. No. Or they go to Taupo and see yeah, Melifera East Church and yeah, and that, and they do two concerts a year. Yeah, and they never ever come here. Yeah, ever. Yeah, they yeah, just don't go out. Apart from that. It's frustrating, isn't it? But I guess, and I, and I can see how it'd be particularly frustrating for you uh, or anyone in your position, but mm. it, I have those thoughts too as someone who goes to lots of shows and quite a few different venues. You know, you, when you go to a show that's great and there's hardly anyone there, mm. you know, you, you feel sorry for the venue owner, mm. the promoter, the manager, definitely the people mm. on stage. Um, but, yeah, within that, you're just thinking... Why? Why has? Why aren't more people here? Because this is fucking great. Now because they can't always be at everything. But no, you can't. But it's, 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 it's just too cheap for them to stay mm. at home. There's too much going on at home. Mm. You know, they've got too many choices at home. They've got Netflix mm. and they've got YouTube and they've got you know 155 channels on Sky. Mm. They've got cheap piss. They've got comfortable couches mm. and it's raining outside. Why should they bother? You know, it's just too easy. Whereas in our day, 
you had to go out. Like you, you, yeah. came, you came in on a Thursday at 18 years old, and and um, yeah, in my day there was one TV station and one radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. parents were watching Coro. Yeah. There was nothing yeah. to do at home. Yeah. So nothing came in. Everything yeah. was received by going out. Yeah, go yeah. Out. and now it's yeah, it's basically the opposite. That's why these, these bars open six nights a week. Yeah, huh? yeah, and now it's basically the opposite. Mm. Everything mm. that you could ever want. You know, home. I mean, it is incredible. You know, like God, it's pretty hard to beat sitting at home and hearing people talk about how Beyonce at Coachella is amazing, and mm. you can dial it up and watch it watch the live stream of it you know you can see why you know you can see why it's tough to beat that oh you can't you know yeah yeah, yeah. so um well it's nice having a chat and nice yeah. to uh nice to get your story as well as a bit more of the story of the bar as i say i i you know i've always loved coming here and uh, i've seen some amazing shows here and well i feel quite honored to own it i, I don't take that lightly yeah. i feel it's a great responsibility to keep the doors open and yeah. i work hard at doing that and you know i've made some stuff ups you know in the last eight years I've thrown a few people out and that pissed me off <laughs> but you know it's all heat of the moment sort of stuff and yeah. um, it's just what it is you know yeah. but um, I'm still trying to keep the cope up with the place alive and yeah. it, it really annoys me when um, you catch somebody drinking their own piss in my bar and it's, to me it's just insulting yeah. so I, I chuck them out yeah no, that's, and if I can do I can I slap on the way I, I think that's fair enough I slap on my way as well <laughs>